Sure, Nicolas Cage is great, but wither Gerard Butler. In this episode, we discuss playing for keeps. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, what's going on, Dan McCoy? I am Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Kalin. Oh, no kidding. Guess the, what? We're the hosts of the Flophouse. Yeah, Flophouse th- podcast, I hear. Three amigos. Yep. <laughs> Copyright? <laughs> Copyright us right now. <laughs> no rights reserved. Anyone can use it. It's a wiki. <laughs> yep. Creative Commons license. Public domain. <laughs> so It just means friends, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Trace, trace friendos. <laughs> why? I don't, amigos yeah, is already I don't, I don't Spanish. I don't know why. <laughs> so. Chua Ami. Mm-hmm. The Flophouse is a podcast. Yep. You probably know that because you're listening to it on your iPhone or your uh, expired Zune or your <laughs> Droid. Your computer, anything that streams audio or downloads it. Uh, but we talk about bad movies. Uh, and uh, tonight we watched a little film. Every time we do the Flophouse, you explain what the podcast is, and the more we do it, the less you seem to know ahead of time what the podcast is. The more you talk as if you're making it up as you go along. We've been doing this for like six years now. I just really hate resetting the show. That's the thing. Like, so do it fast. None I know this, that... Uh, it's, we it should just like, Wait, it sounds like it's like you have killed someone, and the police are asking you if you were did it, and you're like, I was recording a uh, podcast. <laughs> Well, what's the podcast? It's called the uh, Flop House, and it's about uh, bad movies. Yeah, enough, bad enough movies. Enough of this shit, punk. Tell us, <laughs> tell us how you did it. I swear, I was podcasting. You were listening to it on your uh, iPod. <laughs> or what have you. Or what have you. Uh, overhearing it from some guy on the train. All right, his alibi makes sense. Yeah. Story checks out. Let him back. Release him. Let him back? <laughs> Let him back. That's what the police say. Spent a lot of time in police departments. That's police though. jargon. Dave, Let Dan, him back. Dan does a lot of ride-alongs. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing a Law & Order SVU uh, spec uh, script I don't right think now. that shows up Let him back. Let him sure. back. Let him back, weirdly Capo. Enough, weirdly we don't enough. have enough evidence. Let him back. <laughs> the pervazoid was the culprit all along. Mm-hmm. It's SVU. Because that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it works. Freeze. You're over arrest. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, right? Yep. Uh, so this is the flop, the flop house. house. We've established. We watch that. a bad movie, then we talk about it, which you're listening. to The show to is right just now. us talking about it. It's yeah. not us watching it. It's that not would be us crazy. watching it. No. no, you don't get to hear the audio from the movie, and you don't mm-hmm. get to see the video. Probably you don't get any eye clips. You just have this. What we're Sounds saying horrible. now. No <laughs> sound, sound effects. Piece of somebody's eye. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Nothing. So Dan, what movie did we watch? We this, watched this a time? film called Playing for Keeps. With Flophouse favorite Gerard Butler, and now I believe and Flophouse favorite Jessica Biel. Yeah, I believe fl- Playing Four Keeps is the sequel to Playing Three Keeps, no. and the, the prequel to Playing Five Keeps. <laughs> That's a little. It's a running Flophouse gag. Anyway, Playing Four Keeps stars Gerard Butler, and it was directed by another Flophouse fave, the oh, director right. of Seven Pounds. Seven Pounds. <laughs> the movie that promised a Batman villain it didn't provide. 
Yeah. His name, Seven Pounds. Barely promise, uh, barely delivered on its Will Smith promise either. Not a, yeah. Well, no, he's in the movie. <laughs> Wait, really? I thought <laughs> yes. that was a jellyfish. No, the, the jellyfish. <laughs> Let's is also... watch Seven Pounds again. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh. So playing for keeps. Playing Gerard for keeps. Butler. Now, you, you might remember him from the movie Gamer or the or... movie Law Abiding Citizen or the movie The Ugly Truth or the Truth. The, the Ugly Truth. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what that was. Yeah. The movie The Ugly Trafe about an Orthodox <laughs> Jew who decides to go non-kosher for Lent, even though he's Jewish. So why would he celebrate Lent? An amazing accent he delivers in that movie. Yeah, he's a Scottish, Yiddish <laughs> character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, playing for keeps. Yeah. Should we go over what this movie's about? Football. It's about love. It's about soccer. It's about trust. It's about fast cars, fast women, and fast food. <laughs> And how to get uh, your ex-girlfriend, who is your baby's mama, to... Wait, really? They were married. It's a little film about how to make an American quilt. Wait, that... (laughs) It's a little movie about the knack and how to get it. (laughs) It's a little movie about how to stop worrying and learn to love the bomb. (laughs) It's a little movie about... (laughs) Who is Harry Nilsson? (laughs) It's about a movie called... Who's Harry Crumb? <laughs> and it, answers, it finally answers the question, what about Bob? Figure out, the thing about who's Harry Crumb I never understood is the real question is, how, is he, how did he get outside that window? Yeah, <laughs> What's he doing out there? That's Those crazy. Those giant fly suckers. Um, but no, this is a movie about a uh, down-on-his-luck professional so- soccer former player. Former pro soccer star played mm-hmm. by Gerard the Butler. Yeah, using his uh, native Scottish accent for once. Except it's not, he did a thing that I feel like Scottish and Irish and English actors do in American movies, mm-hmm. which is that they kind of slow down and it makes their accent sound really fakey. But I think it's just to, so that they're, it's easier for them to be understood by Americans. Like if you see From Hell – like Robbie Coltrane seems to slow his accent down, and so it sounds like he's doing a bad English accent. You're not. Are you sure that Robbie Coltrane and Gerard Butler aren't both drunk? That's also that's popular. That's also popular. It's <laughs> also possible. It's and like popular. how they. It's like how they had to slow down the film in Lethal Weapon Four whenever Jet Li would do his martial arts stuff because he was too fast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too fast for the film to catch. Yeah, yep. Too fast and too furious. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Although he's Chinese. Uh, uh, you could go to Tokyo sometime. Yeah, I guess it's close. It's, I mean, it makes more sense than going to I America. would say that, uh, I said this You're during the closer. movie, I did like him better in his native uh, Scots uh, Burr, but, and I would have maybe liked him if his character... ATC member Bill Burr? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I would have liked him maybe if his character had any characteris- characteristics other than being a soccer player. Well, let's He's ex- handsome. Let's explain. Yeah, he has two char- he has two character traits. He's a soccer player and great abs. Mm-hmm. Now he plays. His name is uh, like George Dreyer. That's what it is. George Dreyer. He's yeah. a former professional soccer player. Now grandson of Carl Theodore Dreyer. <laughs> really, the Danish assume. director. Yeah. Wow, director of Vampire Gertrude, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. One of the greats of world cinema. Yeah. And his grandson was a soc- is a Scottish soccer player. It's yep. weird. How did it happen? Uh, it's weird the movie didn't touch on that either. You would have thought that he'd walk by like a movie, a, a theater playing Ordet, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, my grandpa made that." Yep. Yeah, it's a story about faith. Ne- never seen it. <laughs> Looks boring, but never seen it. I'm from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, <See? laughs> this is how we talk over in Scotland. Yeah, see. <laughs> Ah, oh, come uh, enjoy some of our whiskey, see? Aberdeen, yeah. Have a little agus in your eye. <laughs> Go Scarecrow. To... Uh, I don't get what you guys are doing. Have a little whiskey, Go to the Scarecrow. lock and see Nessie, yeah. Yeah, see? 
Yeah. Go up to the north, see? <laughs> anyway, so he's a he's a down-on-his-luck soccer player. He's divorced. He has a kid, but he's not good about seeing the kid. He's a bad dad, mm-hmm. and we see him. He tries Original to— Original title for the film, right? Should have been called Bad Dad. Well, Soccer Dad, should, if this was an out-and-out comedy, the title would have been Soccer Dad. It's a play on soccer mom— you got your comedy title. But this is not a comedy. It just appears to be. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Ladybugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tragedy of Ladybugs. It's, this is one of those movies that's like, uh, it's like a mirage in the distance, and it looks like it looks like a comedy from far away. Oh, yeah. It looks and hilarious. The, the closer you get, it's just like, it's, I guess, supposed to be like a, a drama, like a Jerry Maguire or like an Albert, uh, not a uh, James L. Brooks type drama. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like There's to talk no about jokes this in it. maybe a little later once we get, okay. get into the synopsis. I'll, we'll do it quick. So he's down on his luck. He's ruined his his marriage. Mm-hmm. He has a he marriage has a, to Jessica Beale. Married to Jessica Beale, also a Flophouse favorite. Uh, he's, and his son, he's always missing stuff. And so he decides, I guess, out of nowhere to become a better dad. I don't know. Like, he's just depressed. Uh, and he wants he to be have a, any money. He doesn't have any money. He wants to be a sports announcer, and so he Don't tapes an audition tape of himself, and he promises to take his son to soccer practice, and he's late, but then he finally gets him there. Turns out soccer practice is being taught by a big fat guy who's talking on his phone the whole time. He keeps telling the kids, kick with your toes. <laughs> you got to kick it with your toes, and Gerard Butler's horrified. He's It's like... He's more horrified to see soccer taught badly than he would be to see his wife having sex with someone right in front of him. If this is his mistress, soccer, and it's being abused by this charlatan, by mm-hmm. this you know this philistine, cell phone by this user. American, this, this American cell phone user. So he steps in. He becomes the soccer coach. Big and surprise. He's become super popular, not just with the kids, because he's good at soccer and can teach but them how to do it, but with, with the, the moms. It's oh, Cougar yeah. Town. Mm-hmm. And so very quickly, Judy Greer, Catherine's as a recently divorced woman who bursts into tears all the time. Yeah. Sure. Catherine Zeta-Jones as a former sportscaster who, prom- who dangles a professional career in front of Gerard Butler. And Uma Thurman as the wife of Dennis Quaid, who is a slimy businessman. Yeah. Uh, they all take an interest in the, Gerard Butler. The hottest assortment of soccer moms. I think we talked about this before, but the MILF yeah. hunter needs to come in and thin that herd. Yeah, yeah we were talking pr- about it pretty seriously about a MILF hunter situation. It seems like the MILF territory is very overpopulated. <laughs> and the problem is just that... It's for the health of the MILF. There's, it's, yeah, there's not enough feed. There's not <laughs> enough ra- no, there's grazing not. for all those MILFs. The MILF hunter, I mean, do Look, I do I want to see MILFs get... Taken out, taken away. Obviously not. But it's for the better. For the better of the group, you need the sicker and the older milfs to be removed by a milf hunter or even a milf. Wolf. I mean, the only food for the the milfs is uh, Gerard Butler, obviously, and they all they have to fight over him. Just watch it. There's a three. You know, if you count Jessica Biel, a four milfs for every one dilf. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. In yeah, the community. Although, to be honest, Dennis Quaid is in pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, 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 he's holding together. He could have been, he been the uh, Gerard he Butler He would have been character. a lot better, frankly, in the lead. But he's a slimy business guy here. He's also the most charismatic and likable character in the whole film. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, cheating on his wife. Throwing his he's money around. Throwing his money around. He gives Gerard Butler, like, literally an envelope thick with hundreds and later gives him a Ferrari. <laughs> but he's, like, one of those guys who's so slimy that you're like, oh, you got to love him. He's so slimy. <laughs> Now, he's, he's not hiding who he is. Now, Gerard Butler's whole past is he was a womanizer, 
mm-hmm. and that's I guess what ruined his life and career. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. It, like he was stepping out on Jessica Biel, but they don't say anything about like drug or dr- drug use or drinking. I don't. It yeah. seems Sex like can be a drug, Elliot. That's true. Mm-hmm. I think this was if Dennis Duchovny taught us nothing else. Yeah, Dennis Duchovny. Dennis Duchovny. <laughs> Is that <laughs> David Duchovny's yeah. brother? <laughs> Dennis Duchovny's brother. It's his sexual. Dennis the menace Duchovny. Oh, the, so you say when he would pick up prostitutes or women, he'd say, "My name's Dennis Duchovny." <laughs> Really? Because you look like David Duchovny. No, no, no. My name's Dennis. People tell me that all the time. I'm his twin brother. Why do you have all this X-Files memorabilia? Uh, and your, license, your driver's license says David Duchovny. Uh, my brother David lent me his driver's license. I can't drive. Why are you driving then? Why do you have a picture in your wallet of you and Tay Leone? Yeah, why, why? I love my sister-in-law. Why, why would he be showing, a, uh, I guess, a prostitute or another woman his, his driver's license? Things, Is it like to verify? Is, yeah, so I she think, can use his credit card? So, she, so, that, so, he can, so he can write a check for her. And, of course, there's always their sister, Denise Duchovny, who's just David Duchovny with a wig on. Basically yeah. from Twin Peaks. Like Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. <laughs> he was Denise Duchovny in Twin Peaks. So anyway, they, I wouldn't be surprised if an earlier version of this script had Gerard Butler as a much more, like, dissolute character. More of a womanizer, more of a, I don't know if he would have been like More of a like cad. A, a, more of a cad, exactly. A blaggard, a bounder, mm-hmm. you know. But instead, he's just kind of like, comes off as like a bland teddy bear. Yeah. Anyway, it's these, like, oh man, life has really not turned out for me. But soccer this, player guy that I am, I but he doesn't seem to need. And he does every now and then have a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah, he well, he shaves it. He uses one of those sha- guards on the razor, so he just shaves it to a certain length. Well, you can do that. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's barber technology. Is that technology. how you do it? Yes. Oh, no, man. I just don't shave for a week at a time. Uh, I call it the Gerard Butler. Yeah. So anyway, but his landlord will say, like, where's the rent, Gerard? Not Gerard, because that's not the character's name. Where's the rent, Gerard? And he's like, I'll get it to you. But other than that, he doesn't seem to have any money problems. Like, I don't know how he – I assume I assume he yes, he doesn't support his wife anymore but or his kid, but that's never touched on, you know? Oh, yeah, because she probably makes a million dollars doing – Doing the job we never see her doing. Yeah, yeah. that she can't leave town for. Uh, so anyway, but these ladies start to take an interest in him, and eventually – Judy of course, Greer, he's the hot man meat on the block. Basically, uh-huh. stalks him in the middle of the night and comes to his house, and they do it. Uh-huh. And then she is kind of gone from the movie for the most yeah. part. And well, Cap- she's fulfilled her uh, destiny. But as a result, he's late. Butler. As a result, yeah. he's late the next day uh, for soccer practice or taking his son somewhere uh-huh. or something like that. So. And so by having sex with a woman, he actually has to pay consequences. Yeah. Exactly. It's like he's a bad dad or something. Uh, uh, he, well, he's a bad dad. That's the thing. They could have not for the, the movie bad dad. <laughs> they called it soccer. They should have called it soccer dad. But so then Catherine Zeta Jones says, Hey, I saw your audition tape and it's really good, but we can make a better one. Come to the TV studio with me. And he's like, Oh, uh, well, I'm supposed to spend time with my son today. Also, Dennis Quaid called him to bail him out of jail. So that's another reason he was. He to, was bail, uh, Dennis to bail Dennis Quaid, Quaid out of jail. So, Do you have sex with Dennis Quaid? I have to assume off camera. Okay. Because Gerard Butler no, was just. Dennis Quaid was in jail for like drunk driving, by the way, which is like, I, this, is a, this is a side note, but. Dan is about to defend <laughs> drunk drivers. If I know Dan, he usually says this right before he explains why it's not that bad. Just fast forward. No, this is. A, this is Skip a, ahead 30 seconds. This is a side note, but we are introduced to Dennis Quaid 
when he hands a envelope full of money to Gerard Butler, being like, uh, "If my kid was the goalie, uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I'm not pressuring you, or but oh, and I've got a daughter who sings really well. I mean, she could sing the, uh, the national, national anthem, anthem. But you know, because that's something that happens before Pee Wee soccer games. And he does that, and then also then later on, as Elliot said, he gives Gerard Butler a car, basically, and you would expect not that- just a car, Dan, a Ferrari. The height yeah. of the automobile industry. Mm-hmm. Not according to the fellows on Top Gear. Oh UK. boy, what would they? What would they say the Top Gear is? Like a uh, like, like a Yugo? A, like eleven? Like a Prius? Like a, like a Dart? A Dodge Dart? <laughs> a dart. Uh, so, uh, like an El Camino? Uh, like a Toyota Corolla? Stop fucking pressure! Like me. an Adam Corolla? Okay, I've never watched <laughs> the show. Corolla. Okay, I've seen the ads on the on the on the buses on the bus stops. <laughs> bus stops. How do you see an ad on the top of a bus? Are you in a helicopter? My point is... <laughs> Are you riding in that goose-flying machine that okay, Jeff I Daniels wanna... used in Fly Away Home? <laughs> or the one that Tim Robbins and Howard the Duck used in Howard the Duck? <laughs> or the gyrocopter from Road Warrior? <laughs> or the hot air balloon from Wizard of Oz? Or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Stop naming things from movies. <laughs> But the point is, though, when... That Den- flying motorcycle <laughs> from Looper? When Dennis Quaid is in jail, you expect it to be for embezzling something. Like, yeah. The, the movie sets up another shooter drop that never drops. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of dropped plot lines in this. That's one of them. Yeah, Dennis Quaid, Dennis Quaid then disappears, disappears the until the final third of the movie. Yeah. For the most part. He's got stuff to do, man. And apparently he just has money that he likes throwing around. He's a rich guy. He does business. Unlike Gerard Butler and Jessica Biel, he, doesn't, he has a job to do. You yeah, know? a business job. <laughs> There's a part He's where, always, he was always on the business phone doing a, business you're, stuff. You're introduced to him. He's walking by Gerard Butler on the soccer field, and he's talking to the phone, and you just even go, uh, do the due diligence. <laughs> and it's like it's almost like they said to Dennis Quaid, just talk business stuff into the phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And due diligence was the phrase that came to mind. Wait, are you saying that? Is <laughs> Excel. It, Conference call. That wasn't in the original script. I ha- Maybe it was. It's a stroke of genius if it was. <laughs> Profit. It, it, supply and demand. It tells you everything you need to know about that character <laughs> in one sentence. In well, one clearly sentence, the script writer had been just listening in on conversations and writing them down to mm-hmm. try and get the, the flow of human Yeah, he speech. did a ride-along with the business. Anyway, so he's missed out time with his a son because he was bailing Dennis Quaid out of jail. He's hanging out with his son. Catherine Zeta-Jones says, hey, come over to my house. We can make a better audition tape for you. Yeah. They get to her house, and Heard she says, before. let's leave the kid at, our, at my house, and we'll go to the studio. He's like, oh, uh, well, how long is this going to take? She says, not more than an hour. They leave. They make the audition tape and love. Mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones pressures him into doing it. So at, this point, do it. so at this point, the main character, Gerard Butler, this dissolute womanizer who's got to get over his caddish ways, has had sex with one woman as an act of sympathy yeah. <laughs> and has, has been pressured into sex with another woman or else his job is on Partly the line. to get a job, yeah. And then that's it. And then that's that, the end of the, the sex. The two women he has sex he with. He does go home and find that Uma Thurman, Dennis Quaid's wife, is waiting in his bed mm-hmm. and she wants to do it with him too. But that's his friend's wife. But that's yeah, his friend's wife close. and his friend has always sa- already said to him something about like, he cheats on her, but he'll never he'll never get he'll never give her up for any man except maybe a dead man, <laughs> which, which is I think weird. It, it means I'm going to kill someone who who sleeps with my wife. But it comes off as if she's a necrophilia, yeah. feel like I'm cool with it. Like the yep, crypt keeper could totally do it. With <laughs> <her>. <laughs> like if Frankenstein's monster tried to horn in on my wife, if okay. Some, if somebody can find their way around this gypsy's curse, <laughs> if the boyfriend from my boyfriend's back. <laughs> fell in love with her, <laughs> then I'd be totally okay with it. Would she then be the girlfriend? If Chud 2, Bud the Chud came <laughs> knocking. If this was a cold body scenario, I'd just have to let it ride. Yeah. 
Bud the Chud just walking over. Uh, it's my buddy, Bud. <laughs> the Chud. <laughs> Let's not clarify. Bud T. So Chud. So there's not the other Bud. From the desk of Bud T. Chud. <laughs> Dear hey, sirs. Bud, just take her out, show her a good time. Go, go watch uh, Go watch HUD. <laughs> uh, hang out with Paul Rudd. <laughs> Play in the mud. <laughs> Join your cud. Chud, won't you? <laughs> uh, now it's making me angry. <laughs> okay, so basically this guy's got a whole lot of women causing a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> but the main problem is that it's... Exactly it's your like- fucking synopsis of Three's Company. <laughs> That's how my penthouse letter starts. <laughs> Dear penthouse, I had a whole lot of women making a whole lot of trouble. Let me backtrack. I work I work at a home for criminally insane women. Start, start in the middle. I work at a women factory. <laughs> I never thought this would happen to me. It's good letter writing. Start in the middle and work your way back. <laughs> Dear penthouse forum, I never thought this would happen to me, but I fell through a time warp into the past. I had to fight a dinosaur to escape. There's no sex in this letter, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. Love, Elliot. It was just very unexpected. It was. A, I really never thought it's it would a happen. Great to me. story. <laughs> it's an amazing story, if you will. It's gonna. It's been option for an episode of amazing stories. <laughs> I had another amazing story happen to me. I was in this bomber plane. And the landing gear wouldn't, wouldn't go down. So I drew new landing gear. It's yeah. a magic cartoon. My yeah. name's Kevin Costner. Good night. <laughs> that's good night, was, everybody. That's who was in that episode. Yeah, but not good night. The show's not over. Anyway, so <laughs> the thing. So basically, what's happening is. Uh, De- de- uh, a lot of Gerard- women causing a lot of problems. Yeah, a lot of women <laughs> more women, more problems. Am I, yeah, you got that right. Anyway, Gerard Butler is spending too much time with the ladies, not enough with his son, and his son is realizing this and getting surly and mad. Mm-hmm. And his son yeah. is unhappy because Jessica Beale is going to get married to her new boyfriend. Who and seems he like does, a nice guy. Who seems like way. a very nice guy. This is we were talking about this. It's like the boyfriend in uh, the husband in Superman Returns, mm-hmm. or the boyfriend in that, where it's like. The nicest guy, so much nicer than Superman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he gets dumped because he's not Superman, <laughs> and he thinks. Well, that- maybe if he works out really hard, he can be Superman, right? No, no, he can't. The yellow sun doesn't have that effect on him. Maybe if he goes to another planet, he doesn't have the ability to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he goes- trade planets. <laughs> maybe he goes to a planet like with a, a planet blue sun. Exchange. <laughs> Interplanetary exchange student. Yeah. Uh, so his son is getting mad, and his son sees Catherine Zeta-Jones kissing him, and realizes. That's what he's doing. He's dallying with the ladies instead of hanging out with his son. His son gets really mad, and uh, he eventually makes it up to him. There's not a lot of yeah. There's not like there's I don't. Not I'm not really of... sure what the turnaround is too. Like Gerard Butler makes makes it up to him. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Biel like sees him with her son and is like, oh, he you know. he like starts hanging out with his son more. They play soccer in the rain. Jessica Biel sees him with his son and is like, you know what? He's changed, but I don't want to admit it. She's going to try on her wedding dress, and he shows up. After just he goes to Bristol, Connecticut, and and auditions for an ESPN anchor job. Bristol, Connecticut, the big city, the big city. Mm-hmm. That's when Bristol, Connecticut is mentioned. He's like, "Wow, Bristol, really?" <laughs> like as if dissolve it to like neon signs. <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's big because that's where ESPN is, but like the town of Bristol is not so exciting. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's him walking Wait, down the street with where they make Bristol board paper. <laughs> there's signs for like. Like hula hands, <laughs> Home Depot, Applebee's, Applebee's, Supercuts. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but he he makes a difference. He goes to his wife when his ex wife who's trying on a wedding dress, and he says, "You know, like I'm going to Connecticut for this thing, but I still love you." Mm-hmm. 
And she's like, no, I can't move to Connecticut. It's over. If you love me, let me go. And then she, she stomps out of the dressing room. And then when he stomps out of the dressing room, she's in his car. And she says, no, I still love you. I never stop loving you, blah, blah, blah. And they start kissing. <laughs> it's super gushy. It's like girl stuff or something. Well, I'm, it's because he, like, do you think this whole fiance thing was just a long bluff to get this guy to be a better dad? Yeah. It's like a long very con. long con. They were gaslighting him into being a better dad. <laughs> gaslighting, <laughs> trying, to drive, trying to drive him crazy with jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's doing great. It's the championship game tomorrow. Uh, this has not been built up at all. And while they're playing the game, everything seems to be going great until Dennis Quaid shows up. <laughs> Dennis Quaid shows up from the first act of the movie. <laughs> he's disappeared for a while, and in his hand, he's got pictures that a detective took of Uma Thurman in her underpants. He was probably getting those pictures developed. That's what he was doing. Yeah, for a long, it, a lo- like, well, that's the other thing is that he has well, literally... Like in this age of digital cameras, he <laughs> yeah. had to find someone. Yeah, he had to find a place that would He had to the find the, the last one-hour photo s- store that was open in Connecticut, or whatever state this is. Yeah. Connecticut, I guess. He drives to Bristol, but... Uh, he had to buy uh, bulk Kodak film off of eBay. Because they don't that's make that stuff thing. anymore. Yeah. But anyway, you should teach Gerard Butler how to eBay all of his sports memorabilia. Well, so he doesn't have to take it to the one small sporting <laughs> goods they, store. Earlier on, Gerard Butler tries to sell his sports memorabilia from when he was a soccer player, and the guy goes, "I guess I can give you three hundred bucks for all of it." It's like, well, yeah, nobody wants to buy this shit here. Like, put it up on eBay so international yeah. se- international sellers can bid on it. Yeah, some some guy in England will love this. Yeah, some crazy English soccer guy. Anyway, they call him footy fans. Kind of pajamas they wear. Pajamas. Yeah. yeah. Fans of pajamas. Yeah, pajama fans. Yeah, for Pajama Con 2013. <laughs> pajama a, fetishes. At the Javits probably Center. <laughs> that is probably an industry thing for the pajama industry. Yeah, Pajama Con. I'm in the pajama game, you might say. <laughs> anyway. We're in the home stretch <laughs> the of the pajama film, people. Game. <laughs> We're yeah. in the home stretch. Dennis Fernando's Quaid, hideaway. Dennis Quaid confronts... <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Quaid confronts him with these pictures that were taken by a detective who was following Uma Thurman... Gerard Butler says, I didn't sleep with your wife, but Dennis Quaid's not buying it. Mm-hmm. So they wrestle. The kids win the game, and he misses it because he's wrestling. And the kids see them wrestling and go, dog pile, and jump on everybody yeah. and then run away. But Jessica Biel's seen it, and she is not impressed. And I like to point out, like, this was the screenplay's attempt at dramatic irony where Je- Je- he gets in uh, trouble with Jessica Biel for the one woman he didn't actually sleep with. Yeah. So she thinks he's back to his womanizing ways. He mm-hmm. says – Forget this, and he just leaves to go to Connecticut. And the fiance says to Jessica Biel, "Are you still in love? Are you in love with him again?" And she goes, "I never stopped being in love with him," and which is a crushing thing to say to the fiance. But he seems okay cool with, with it. it. He's, he's like, like, I mean, he is right, in a well, town full yeah. of babes. That's dude. the thing when he's, he's going to bounce back. He's probably got trot. A, he's got a job starring Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> <laughs> he's a talking horse. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that? So what you're saying is that his reaction is like. All right, I guess I'll just dive yeah. into the sea of poon <laughs> that is this town. But I mean, it does feel he like he has a job, probably, right? Or is she supporting? I have no him? idea. They I mean, never live in the together. same he wears house. Wears a sweater though, for like, fuck's sake. They do live in the same house. Yeah. It feels like okay. Well, my last three years of my life have been a lie, and you are totally destroying your son's life by switching up father figures. Three but whatever. Years is a long time, dude. Yeah, he's probably hungry for some new babes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the three-year itch they like, call it. Just like Gremlins too, the new babes. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're not allowed to talk about gremlins right now, I think. Okay. Dan said we weren't. What? You made a no gremlins rule? All yeah. right. Anyway. Not until after midnight. So gremlins butler is going to drive to Connecticut. 
for this ESPN job. I just made you interested in the movie for the first time, yeah. didn't he? But he says he's he's driving down that road and he says Gremlins would make terrible butlers. By he way. thinks he's, <laughs> they would make terrible butlers. That's true. They'd be throwing the hors d'oeuvres at the guests. They'd be strapping Gizmo to the to the dinner platter with a pit, with an apple in his mouth instead of a pig. Yeah, and you, oh. that's a bad idea. <laughs> Dr- and then it was a bad idea for my bat mitzvah that I was throwing. <laughs> Who are you throwing a bat mitzvah for? <laughs> Some lady. <laughs> I, I mean, like, she's a lady now. Yeah, yeah she <laughs> wasn't at the time. Hey, whoa, was wait, whoa! So what? What did you do to her? <laughs> no, the bat mitzvah. But it hasn't happened yet. You no. say you're throwing the bat. No, mitzvah. it was a bad idea. I was saying. Okay, a bad mitzvah. When it happened. <laughs> So anyway, a bat he, that would be a great movie title, by the way. <laughs> bad mitzvah. Yeah, that is a great. Oh, movie I thought title. you meant bat mitzvah. It's That's like a great movie title. Vampires too. Uh, invade a bar mitzvah. Yeah, because it's because there's nothing racist about portraying Jews as vampires. You're racist. <laughs> anyway, so Gerard Butler turns the car around and goes Gerard home. Butler. He decides that his family is more important than his job. Jessica Biel says, "Hey, I broke it off with my fiance," and they play soccer in the front yard. And then there's a little bit, a little title sequence during the credits that reveals that. He got a local newscaster job as a sports reporter. Yeah, that's just as good as Why shoot for the guys? stars? Why shoot for the stars? Be a good dad and get a shitty job. When you can aim for the top of a hill. <laughs> and the greatest thing about this movie, uh, the end is of the movie. Is it's over now. <laughs> is the way that everything is resolved without anyone changing at all. Nobody does nothing in this movie. This is a movie that, it is a comedy without laughs. It's a drama without drama. And it is a character study without characters. Well, that's the thing. I... <laughs> this is maybe the most nothing movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> There's like no movie in this movie. <laughs> but that's what makes like, it not this fattening. Is, this is, yeah, I guess it's true. It's a non-fattening movie. You can, eat, you can watch as much as you want of it. It's never going to get way on your yeah. mind. It's like someone took the legal documents you need to fill out to make a movie and just <laughs> shot that. <laughs> Didn't bother to put any names or information in. Um, they shot reviews of other movies. So we were going to talk about you wanted to mention the thing that bothered me the most. Well, no, like the thing that confused me the most about this movie is the strange tone of it, where there's like stuff in the middle that feels like it really should be like a sex farce with like oh Gerard Butler is having sex with all of these like soccer moms, got hot and cold running babes, and in one door out the other, and his landlord is looking through the window and being how does he do it? (laughs) But it is like pretty great. It is done at such a slow pace. Like, it feels like it should be French farce, and it's done super slowed down and wistful yeah. and kind it's of, like, dramedy. It's done as if, the, as if we're supposed to be touched by what's going on. There wasn't enough, like, hiding one babe in the closet while the other babe berates him. <laughs> he was going for our heart when he should have been going for a funny bone. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really slowed down and not funny. The character never seems to be in any kind of, like, Frantic trouble or anything like that. Yeah, and there's no. I mean, Gerard Butler doesn't do frantic. We've talked no, about there's no. True. There's no payoff. Really he does to, barely anything. <laughs> he walks around without a shirt. That's basically his thing. There's no payoff to Dennis Quaid being like this sleazy, like rich guy, and there's also no payoff really to. There's no payoff to Judy Greer. The like she the shows, women. She, yeah. Well, Judy Greer shows up later dating his landlord, mm-hmm. and but like there's no complications or problems there. It's just like, oh, I found this other guy, so. Everything's fixed now. Catherine Zeta-Jones shows up and wants to have sex with him, and he's like, really? I don't think we should. And she's like, so you got yours, and that's it? And you're just leaving me out to hang? All right, I guess. And she's just, I guess, mad at him, but nothing happens afterwards. Yeah. This feels like a bigger bomb that should explode under the No, this the was movie. a bomb, all right. No, but like it's, it feels like... No, the, but I didn't know what you they're, mean. They're building it up to be like, oh, all of these women who wanted Gerard Butler are going to like converge 
and uh, Jessica Biel is going to be like, oh, you've been screwing the whole town. And I think it's only made more obvious because Jessica Biel makes a comment about how he always does this. He always like lets things build up, and then when he explodes, he explodes. And it never but there's explodes. no like the yeah, explosion. She literally says that, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's like it's like a plate. A farce should be like a plate spinning act where the story is kind of frantically spinning all the plates to keep them up. But this is one where like they started one plate spinning, started spinning another. The first plate fell down. They were like, fuck it. I'll start a third plate. <laughs> second plate fell down. Yeah. I'll start a fourth plate. Two plates fall down. Whatever. Oh, I don't movie's care. over. <laughs> you know what? Let's just throw on some fucking titles. We're <laughs> over. Mo- credits. <laughs> this movie feels like a bowl of oatmeal with no sugar, no syrup, no milk. Like just but oatmeal plain is old a, oatmeal. Oatmeal is a nutritious, <laughs> yeah. fortifying food. That's true. I'm just this is like a bowl of dust. Movements. There's no this variation. Is like taking a bite of a bowl of dust. <laughs> <laughs> Not satisfying. There's no nutrition. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. The, you, this was a movie people made. Mm-hmm. And at no point where they like, we don't really have a story in this movie. <laughs> oh, by the way, our main character has no character to him other than the fact that What's he this guy's used motivation? to be a soccer player. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Gerard Butler will charm the pants off the ladies. Literally. <laughs> but no, he doesn't. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, I do have to say that I like that the the scene with uh, Uma Thurman where she is in her underpants and we made a comment how it was shot like it was like a Showtime after hours movie. (laughs) And that actually it turned into a Showtime's after hours plot where there was a guy outside the window taking like lewd snaps of the whole (laughs) situation. I kind of like that. I like that it was almost like it was foreshadowing what would happen. The only difference is a Showtime movie would have had this, given you the satisfaction of a four-way lesbian sex scene (laughs) between all the women. Or I guess if it was was a seduction cinema movie or something like that. And I I mean, like the closest thing to something I enjoyed in the movie was like an early, like sort of the early scenes where all the soccer moms were like looking on at Gerard Butler and being really excited about him. And I thought it was kind of funny. Like it was like, because he was so bland. It was just like, (laughs) yeah, they're just turned on because he's like Gerard butler and he's got a scottish accent like there's nothing else about him there yeah and it was quaid yeah it was charming and there are things about like judy greer is cast as the like mousy non-con she's supposed to be the like not a not as attractive woman but it's very weird because she's like a very it's she's easily on par with gerard butler oh yeah. certainly but it's one of or those gremlin battler depending on how you want to <laughs> Like, that's his name from now on. But it's there's there's a certain thing that like movies used to have different types of faces or like different levels of attractiveness in characters. And I feel like now movie it is a movie cannot have anyone who's unattractive. So a woman who's supposed to be cute but not like super beautiful is played by a beautiful woman, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense for the character. But also know? like I feel like in old screwball comedies, like funny women were allowed to also be attractive women too. Yeah. And uh, well, I feel she, like in this movie, it's just like, okay, well, we've got the funny lady, and then we've got the hot ladies, you know, and, uh, you know, Judy Greer, whatever. But but, but, but we got to have pretty people, so we'll cast her in there. Yeah. I mean, I like her a lot. I think she's a really yeah. funny comedian and a really likable performer, but it seems weird to put her in a role where, like, that it feels like she's almost outgrown as, a, as an actress, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're there already. Like she's not playing Kitty in Arrested Development anymore. Yeah. Oh, if only. Well, when the movie comes out. Uh, Maybe for the Netflix series. Sure. Um, I think that we're there, so we should just... No, we're right here. ...go to the final judgments about whether this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. What do you say, Stuart? Where does best movie ever fall into those categories? <laughs> well, it's far no, outside no, of wait. those. I was just joking. Oh, it is a. I mean, it's a, wait. It's, is this a bit? I can't. Like, I'm not. I'm not mad at the movie. It's just. <laughs> I so mean, I kind of am. 
I was it's the, super bland and boring. Yeah, like, I was it's not of, much of a movie. I was not mad while we were watching it, but I'm mad talking about it now. Uh, but it's like this is a movie that like an old person could watch while they're sleeping. <laughs> like it's perfect for that. <laughs> like that's like, the perfect audience for this not, film. They're actually they're actually watching it while they're sleeping. Well, they're they're dozing away in an armchair yeah, with sure. this movie playing. They won't uh, wake them up. So what do you say, Stuart? I'm going to say bad bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll say bad, bad too. I'm sort of baffled that they shot this script as it existed. Yeah, it just seems like anyone would look at it and be like, "Well, you got no conflict here, and you got and no there characters." Are some inter- like, there's some good actors in it. Yeah, there like, are a ton of good actors in it. It's it a big name talent. It's a big name cast. This is Gremlin Battler, Catherine Zeta Jones, <laughs> Dennis Quaid, Uma Thurman, Jessica Biel. Judy Greer, like these, these, this is a big cast of names, and, and they've all like, at least a lot of them have done comedy successfully. Yes, Gremlin Battler was in uh, Ugly Truth. Obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah, very most successful comedy. Very successful as a comedy. Uh, and I would also give it's like I almost don't want to give this movie a rating because <laughs> it kind of doesn't rise <laughs> to the, the level thing. of deserving it's one. It sort of d- disappears. <laughs> I feel like a good it's like ba- eating a meringue. <laughs> Like, a good, bad movie is fun to watch, and a bad, bad movie is painful to watch, but this was just, like, mm-hmm. a thing. This was, like, it's, like, this is the... It's this, like you blacked out and two hours later. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, like, the parsley garnish on a plate that you just put to the side. That's what it is as a movie. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I so, think- our highest recommendation for playing for keeps. <laughs> Gally, you have something to say before we move on to our next segment. I do have something to say. Now everybody knows we've joined uh, the All Things Comedy Network, and that means... Allthingscomedy.com. Go to allthingscomedy.com for great podcasts. They're all comedy. All things comedy, that is. But it also means we've got a sponsor. Ooh, exciting. And is it a good sponsor? Yes, it's a great sponsor. I'm going to spend a minute here, or maybe 40 seconds, maybe 20 seconds. I don't know. Telling you about a little company called TiVo that I think you're going to like. T-I-V-O. T-I, big T, little I, big V, little O. Now, television. We all love it, but it's a pain to watch, right? It is a pain. It takes forever, and tell you what, you got to sit there and watch TV shows when your TV tells you they're going to be on. Well, not anymore, friends. Not anymore. <laughs> Thanks to a little thing called TiVo. No longer are you a slave to the tyranny of television scheduling. Now, thanks to TiVo, you can watch shows whenever you want, wherever you want. That's DVR technology, and TiVo has the best of DVR technology. I'm a Time Warner customer. I hate it. Their DVR is a piece of garbage. (laughs) It is literally a box full of garbage. But TiVo has a great DVR box. They've also got TiVo Stream, which lets you watch TV on your iPad, and transfer your favorite recordings so you can take them with you Anywhere, name a place you can take your TiVo recording with you. Name a place, both of you. Uh, the gym. You can take it with you. The bathroom. You can take it with you. The butcher shop. You can take it with you. Uh, the Caribbean. You can take it with you. The Caribbean. Yeah, no. same place. No. You can take it with you. <laughs> Anywhere. It also, only TiVo searches cable and the internet for any show, movie, or video you want to see. Do other DVRs do that? No, of course not. They're terrible. <laughs> this is like making Netflix, Hulu+, Plus, Amazon, YouTube. They're just channels on your TV now. Thanks to TiVo. Just flip through them whenever you want. There's TiVo Mini, which makes one TiVo box work for two different TVs. You're taking your shows everywhere. Now you can watch Invisible Maniac wherever you want, whenever you Wait want. Wait a minute. <laughs> Stuart, I know you think that's great, because it is. Uh, and now, visitors to TiVo.com, like you, can get $25 off a new <laughs> TiVo Premiere, P4, or XL4 DVR by using a special promo code. That promo code, it's easy to remember, ATC. It's all things comedy. Oh, yeah, that's good. So for $25 off until November 1st, go to TiVo.com and put in code ATC. 
TiVo is the best DVR alternative. And that's from me, Elliot Kalin, legally binding. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot. TiVo, bringing you the Flophouse. So uh, now we move on to uh, the Flophouse movie mailbag, letters from listeners. Uh, this first letter of the evening. Oh, I'm so is... tired from that sponsor ad. I don't yeah. have time for a song. Everyone should go buy a TiVo so I have more energy for singing. <laughs> letters, letters. I'm singing a song about letters. I good. love it. It was good. <laughs> I don't like the ending. <laughs> I think it should have sounded more like this. Letters. Singing a song about letters. We're going to read some letters from you, the listeners. You, the listeners, the people who listen and write the letters. Letters. They make words, I mean, words longer, from you, <laughs> words from the listeners to us about things that we know or we say on the flop house today. And they're I'm letters. This. See, letters. I'm, I'm like the fat sloppy coach Let's using the cell about phone letters. at the beginning of the And it's time for letters. So this first letter. I'll get to part two of the song later. It's titled, Great Email for the Show, asterisk. Uh, Dan compliments included. It's a letter from Asterix, mm-hmm. the French comic character. <laughs> Asterix and Obelisk. Obelisk wrote it too. Oh, nice. uh, this is from First Name Withheld Jones. He says, Dear Dan. It's <laughs> totally unorthodox. <laughs> Dear Dan, Elliot, and Stuart, and House Cat. Doug Jones. Doug Jones. <laughs> Another great episode, guys. Dave Sapien himself. Give yourselves a round of applause, and for Stuart, a round of beers. Am I right, Stuart? Up top. Oh, yeah. Before I get to the point of this email, spoiler alert, there isn't one. Let me just say that Dan is the smartest, funniest, and best-looking host on oh, the show. Oh, so it was Dan Jones who wrote this. Oh. Dan McCoy Jones. Also, he has a larger penis than the other two hosts. No, not true. And has banged at least triple the amount of chicks of Elliot and Stuart combined. I know that's not true. Let me also allow. <laughs> let me also add that this is not Dan writing this, nor did Dan ask me to say these things. But still, Dan is a super cool dude. They are all true facts. Deal with it. With that out of the way, I would like Doesn't to Doesn't Dan suck? <laughs> I would like... Yeah. <laughs> he really set you up for a punch there. Oh, what a... With that out of the way. With that out of the way, I would like to ask each of you dudes a question. And those questions are, for Stuart, who is your all-time favorite wrestler? If the answer to that question is, is Brutus the Barber Man. Beefcake. All right. <laughs> well, I had a t-shirt and I had... Wait, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I can't... Oh, you, no, you finish. No, no. Just, if the answer to that question is Macho Man Randy Savage, you can please do an impression. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I had a t-shirt. I had a wall hanging. I celebrated every time he choked somebody out and then cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he cut his hair? I don't know. He cut the, to shame them. I think. Oh, we would cut the other guy's hair. No, he wouldn't cut his own hair. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I thought there was That's he would choke a guy and then, look at, and then hold up a mirror and cut his own hair. Although, as I've gotten older, I think I prefer ravishing beautiful. Rick Rude and his huh. uh, with his pants that had beautiful ladies on them. Hmm. And he had different pants every time he wrestled. I kind of wish I had a pair of those pants. Different ladies. Yeah. Uh, second question for Dan: Have you tried the new hot mess burger at Jack in the Box? <laughs> this is the East Coast. There are no Jack and in the what Boxes. What is your opinion on there the TV ads for said burger? There are no Jacks in the Box nor yeah, television yeah. commercials. You're for answering the same for me in but our region. That is accurate. Oh, sorry, Dan, you answer. No, I don't know why this was a question for me. In you particular. should YouTube it, Dan. You're a big Jack in the. I am to Popeyes as you are to Jack in the Box. Yeah, I'm a real jackhead. <laughs> I've not had said burger. But for Elliot, if you were trapped on a deserted island, as in an island full of desserts, mm. what would you want the dessert to be? Some chocolate. Oh, boring. That is boring. And lastly, for. Well, I, well, it's a dessert question. I'm not ready to answer that. Lastly, for the flop house house cat, can I get a rah rah? Rah rah! 
Thanks, guys. Love you all. That's from First Name Without Jones. Thanks, Jones. Hey, thanks, Jones. Sorry I didn't have an exciting answer, but sometimes real life isn't exciting. Well, thank you for giving me mm-hmm. an excuse to talk about ravishing Rick Rude. He's been on my mind lately. <laughs> He's always on my mind. Uh, this is titled Intentionally Bad Movies from Ben Last Name Withheld. Ten. He says, hello there, floppers. I think you guys are great and wonderful. I wanted to know, do you think it's possible to successfully recreate the aesthetic and sensibilities of good, bad movies or media? I feel like Tim and Eric shoot for this sort of thing, as does Larry Blamire, or Blamire, I don't know how to say that. Larry Budnell. You said it right. Who who made the B-movie spoof film The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. Have you seen it? Off the top of your heads, what are some tropes of good bad movies or moments of good badness in bad bad films that you feel no intentionally good bad movie could do without? Flops off to you, been last name withheld. Now I uh, this is this is something that I have strong feelings about. I am against okay. trying to simulate uh, badness in 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 films. I feel like if you have the skill to make a good movie. Why don't you just fucking make a good movie? And let the bad movies be a happy accident of the incompetent. Yeah, I feel like Tim and Eric do something else. They they there's a value added there. You know, like there's 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 some comedy there. It's not just uh recreating Well, I think I think when you recreate a bad when you try to make a bad movie personally, it's for comedic purposes. Yeah. But it's often that you're so in on the joke that it doesn't come off. And the the lost skeleton of Cadaver, I've actually been meaning to see for years and I have not seen it. But, I saw it and I found it Funny for about six minutes and boring for the rest. Well, of that's it. part of the th- strength of Tim and Eric. I haven't seen their movie, but their show is short and the bits are short. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I would imagine in a long form situation, it would be overwhelming, like eating too much sugary cereal in one go. Like yeah, the Speed Racer movie or something. <clears throat> but I like the Speed Racer movie. Yeah, I mean that's a good ver- that's a good bowl of cereal. Yeah, but I do I do agree that there's something about when someone aims high and fails that is more funny and enjoyable than when somebody purposefully aims low as a joke. Yeah. And, like, it's funny if maybe, like, you spoof a bad movie for, like, a sketch for, like, five minutes, but I'm, I'm not a fan of it either, really. Yeah, but I mean, like, maybe I'll see one one day that I really like. I don't know. I mean, the beauty of something like The Room, which is, I guess, the, like, the new reigning champion of bad movies is, like, that is clearly a passion project. That is a deeply felt film. Yeah. That is 100% wrong. That is terrible. <laughs> that was made by someone who had no idea what he was doing, but he did it as hard as possible. Yeah, and, and he loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. Probably convinced some poor guys into giving him a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's all on the screen. It's beautiful up there. <laughs> it is <laughs> all on the screen. I want to live in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... I want to it, live on that green screen roof. But I've also yet to see like a bad, a purposely bad movie that was... that reached anywhere near the heights of bliss of a real bad movie. Yeah. Of a non-purposely bad movie. Uh, this next letter is titled, A Request. Uh, Sarah, not Dan's wife here. I was just listening to the Oogie Loves... <laughs> Michael Sarah. Yeah. I was just listening to the Oogie Loves episode, which was, I must admit, only ghoulishly okay. Well, that's... Uh, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? I feel like that's not a uh, generally held opinion, but that's fine. And also, it's weird that you would open with a <laughs> with that evaluation. <clears throat> but no, she goes on. There's sure. more to the letter. Oh, okay, well, I, uh, you know what? All your other episodes were terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so this was an improvement. <laughs> I hate your podcast, and I'll never listen to it again. Thanks for reading my letter. Uh, she goes on. However, it immediately shot to one warmly boner levels of awesomeness when it came to the part where Dan was earnestly trying to plug the Oscar pool. The sheer irritation <laughs> of his voice, combined with Stuart and Elliot's complete indifference to his annoyance, encapsulated what I feel is the heart and soul of the podcast. 
Dan tries to do something correctly, like plug charities for cancer research, and Stuart and Elliot try to distract him at every turn. Not even try, successfully distract him. It's been revealed It's been revealed in prior episodes that when I listen to the podcast, I think of Dan as a giant teddy bear. But after listening There's to the, a picture of that, the, isn't there? Oogie, I think there must be. After listening to the Oogie Loves episode, I'd like to amend that. I now think of Dan as an incredibly bitter, slightly inebriated teddy bear, like the snuggle bear, but one which clutches a bottle of Jack Daniels like a life preserver. Yeah. So thanks, Dan. That's pretty close, actually. It's very accurate. The podcast is only enriched by your thinly concealed anger. Now, there's an, there's an example there. If we had done a, if we had written and performed a bit where Dan is trying to get out the information of a, about this cancer fundraiser and Stuart and Elliot just won't let him finish, would not have been that mm-hmm. good. But the fact that we were the really doing it. The reality of my rage. <laughs> The real inability for him to complete it. We were guys, <laughs> guys, stop it. I'm trying to do something good here. Yeah, flawless impression. <laughs> guys, it's me, Dan. Oh, I'm, I'm a moron. I'm Dan. I'm so dumb. So, Hold on. Why did, way, I, why did I say that? That's so what I don't understand. It was way better as a real failed <laughs> thing than as a fake failed thing. Uh, but she goes on. Seriously, though, I hope the Oscar pool netted millions for new skateboards. Millions? <laughs> big, new skateboards, big league chew, and fancy fees for the house cat. It was for cancer. We, we established Does that. Does the house cat have cancer? I hope uh, not. Finally, my request. That would be a dark wrinkle. Elliot, I appeal to you. On behalf of America, toss your BFF Anne Hathaway. Since the two of you grew up across the street from one another. Not true. And you were the well, ducky the, to her Andy. Nope. The shake to her bake. What? The chip to her Dale. Wait, what? I, I have wish, to believe. So you were rescue rangers? Yeah. I have to believe that if there's one person she would listen to, it would be you. Please, please, please ask her to tone it down. The feigned bashfulness, the winning smile, the batted eyes, it's not doing anything for her. So please, Elliot, save her from herself. In return, I'll hold the CEO of Popeyes captive until he agrees to give you free Popeyes for life. Keep up the floptastic work. Signed, Sarah, not Dan's wife. Sarah, you drive a hard bargain, but I think Anne's doing great. I mean, I also, think she's I'm doing that her... to get over the loss of her high school love, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Played we were, by Elliot Kalin we were not in this high movie. school loves or friends. <laughs> Don't really know her very well or at all. And uh, frankly, if I had free lifetime access to Popeyes, I would die tomorrow. I appreciate uh, that. A, that Popeyes, a Popeyes overdose. <laughs> I appreciate it. A gentleman never tells, and Elliot... Nothing Still to tell. will not tell the details to tell. of his torrid love affair. <laughs> there was none. <laughs> his four-year love affair. I think she's doing great right now. That was before, happy to have that was another successful Milburn spurt. High School alum. No relationship. All right. Well, the last letter wink. of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he just winked. Twist. I was talking about Wink Martindale, <laughs> the game show host. The last letter of the evening is from Peter, last name withheld. Parker. It, it's titled Flophouse Drinking Game. Dear Original okay. Peaches. I think that's just the flop house. While burning the late night oil in the wake of engaging in a highly productive drinking game centered around the movie Demolition Man featuring Sylvester Stallone's cryogenically frozen taint in a starring role, it dawned on me I that don't a remember that part. also known as Wesley Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> it dawned on me that You're a welcome, flop guys. House. You're just welcome for that one. I think we just won an award for that joke. <laughs> I'll take it in uh, Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> flop house drinking game is one of the last missing pieces in this great puzzle we call civilization. <coughs> Sorry, pardon me. I'm taking a drink now. With a thunderous Eureka, I sank my teeth into the soft Dance flesh of my underarm and began writing the rules of said drinking game onto my walls in blood. Okay. Just now returning from the hospital, I present them to you as a suggestion to be amended and expanded upon. That's a lot of rules. Amended? 
The Flophouse Drinking Game, registered trademark. Well, he copyrighted it? <laughs> Apparently. Drink whenever, one. This is how, like, Disney just recently stopped trying to copyright the phrase Dia de los Muertos. <laughs> because it was decided that that would seem evil. <laughs> if they tried to copyright the name of a holiday that people already celebrate. Yeah. Drink with other, whenever, number one. Stuart recommends Castle Freak, the invisible maniac or head of the family. Oh, have we done recommendations yet? Two. <laughs> Elliot recommends a movie that can only be obtained on nitrate film by breaking into the Warner Brothers film vault. Come on, anyone can do it. Three, Dan recommends a movie to put you asleep on an an airplane. (laughs) Four. He's right, you know, you gotta give him credit. You do it a lot. Four, the Flophouse house cat howls. That's a full beer. You gotta shotgun it. Yeah, it's rare. Five, Stuart is overtly modest in describing his penis size. Well, that never happens. I don't know that. It's a monster. (laughs) Six, Elliot's brother writes into Educate and Delight with anecdotes Ugh. and statistics from the wonderful world of sports. Ugh. Seven. Oh, just thinking about it hurts so much. Any of the three octogenarians complain they couldn't hear what went on the movie they watched. <laughs> okay, it's not our fault that movies are terribly mixed these days. Eight. So, so somehow the new generation of kids have super ears that can pick up the tiniest noises. Yeah. Number eight, BigSausagePizza.com is mentioned. <laughs> We haven't done that in a while, until now. Number nine, a guest host tries to steal Stuart's identity. Okay. Ten. Wait, how many is that? Uh, how many drinks? How Wait. many rules? I mean, Wait. I just said ten. How many minutes have we been doing this episode? Uh, just joking. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> Total waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a brain aneurysm. Like, I watched, uh, that was I watched the, Playing for Keeps That was again. the Playing for Keeps of this episode. <laughs> Nothing, nothing happened, but time passed. <laughs> Number 10, a word is spoken that sounds like another word. Oh, yep. Number 11, there's confusion about whether what goes on is a bit. <laughs> and lastly, for listeners with a death wish... Number 12, Dan is interrupted. Oh, yeah, you, you wouldn't get through a full episode. Nicholas Cage has been banned from appearing in this game for reasons pertaining to public health. Thank you for a great podcast. Sorry about Dan's knee. Now, that's how you end... A letter, guys. Repeat oh, last name. Faux sympathy. <laughs> yeah. My faux sympathy. My so, greatest foe. <laughs> I think that that's a good idea. If what, I, a if, drinking game? Yeah, if anyone does it, let me know how <clears throat> Dan, it turns out. Dan, this podcast is them. pitched at the 10 to 13 market. <laughs> what? This is a tween podcast. Is that that's why he sings those songs. Our key demographic is tweens. They love my songs. They love our crazy antics. That's and how why we're always talking about school. Is that, is that why, why we're, we're always talking about the sweet life of Zach and Cody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why we're wearing our hats backwards, right? <laughs> that's why we're wearing our hats, our head hats backwards. That's why there's so much Go-Gurt content in this. <laughs> why are we talking about chicken-shaped uh, din- uh, chicken Whoa, whoa, chicken-shaped <laughs> Are you gonna get dinosaur <laughs> meat? <laughs> yeah, chicken shaped dinosaur, dinosaur nuggets. <laughs> Gogurt and dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets. You That's... have a line on fresh dinosaur meat that you haven't been telling me it's about? It's not fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's freshly cloned. Freshly, yeah. Freshly uh, cloned. So, this is the last segment on the podcast, and that's where we recommend <laughs> movies that we actually liked We're in done. contrast to direct like. Playing for keeps. <laughs> We're done wrecking movies. Now it's time to recommend. Them. Ugh, I hate you. I'm getting so many good lines in tonight. Uh, I'm going to recommend a low budget picture called Iron Man Three that I saw <laughs> last night, directed by Shane's Black, okay. uh, director of uh, Kiss, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Bang. Writer he also of Lethal Weapon. wrote Lethal Weapon the and The Last Boy, Boy Scout, which is one of my favoriteest movies of all time. Uh, it's uh, weird. 
Are they ever going to make that prequel, the second to last Boy Scout? <laughs> the <Yeah>. penultimate Boy Scout. <laughs> the, uh, so Iron Man 3. And the sequel. It turns out we had another Boy Scout after all. <laughs> One of the things I like the about back. Iron Man 3. <laughs> it's behind a box. <laughs> Iron Man 3. You liked it. Yeah, go on. Sorry. I didn't like Wait, it. what? Yeah, I didn't oh. like it very much, but you liked okay, it. Okay, well, what I liked about it is that large chunks of it reminded me of an 80s action movie. <laughs> this is what I did like surprise. about it. <laughs> Second off, uh, it featured a lot of great character actors like William Sadler from the Bill and Ted's okay. Excellent or Bogus Journey uh-huh. and uh, various Tales from the Crypt episodes, as well as Miguel Ferrer as surprise, a bad guy. I would have loved to have seen more Miguel Ferrer. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And you guys and, are uh, like, I'm sitting between you guys, and you guys are like the angel and devil on my shoulder because I'm literally seeing it tomorrow and I don't know who to believe here. And Guy Pierce is you awesome. Believe yourself. Yeah. Give me more Guy Pierce, basically, anytime. Yeah. I wish they'd All given Guy Pierce more to do. Morning, yeah, Well, night. what they gave him, he was great. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, so, so Stuart- Iron Man 3, go see it, America. I would like to Give recommend. It, throw it America has already seen it. <laughs> I would like to recommend a movie called Wake in Fright, which is a uh, Aussie horror film from uh, 1971, which was you know, a... an Aussie horror film, a movie starring Aussie Nelson. Yeah. It was a largely forgotten movie. Uh, it it uh, it it came out to good reviews originally, but was not liked in its native Australia because it basically made the Australian outback look like a hellhole <laughs> full of crazy people. Whereas now, what they it's properly portrayed as a steakhouse full of blooming onions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, this this movie had a like there was a. From what I understand, they found a copy of this film right before basically it was going to be burned, and it got re-released. I remember it being at like the IFC Center in town last year and reading a lot of reviews, and they, it's out of Blu-ray talk, now. They talk about it in Not Quite Hollywood. Yeah, the, the movie about Ozploitation movies. And I feel like that sparked interest in it quite a bit more, too. Yeah, and it's, it, is, uh, it is very... like This is the way I feel about it. I, I see so many movies, and I've seen so many movies that... At this point, I've seen so many of the films that I'm personally going to love. Like, I've tracked them down. I've had, like, sort of a sense of, like, what's going to be good and what I'm going to enjoy. That it is a really big surprise when I really respond to something. There are a lot of movies that I see that I like, but not so many movies that I see that I love anymore. And I I really enjoyed this movie. It, It was like sort of finding a lost masterpiece. And it had some of the same feeling of... Like watching something like The Wicker Man, but I feel like even if you With haven't Nicolas seen, Cage? if you haven't seen yeah, <laughs> the original Wicker Man, if you haven't yeah, seen The Nicolas Wicker Cage. Man, I feel like it's been so long since it came out that the basic idea of it has been spoiled for you. Whereas Wake and Fright, number one, there's no big twist to it, but number two, not much has been written about it, so you're not going to get spoiled in the same way. And it's you know it's just about a guy who was a school teacher who goes out. Who's on break? He's on vacation. He goes through the outback. He ends up losing all of his money in this tiny outback town, so he can't get to where he needs to go to. And it's a horror movie, but all of the horror in it is 100% psychological. Um, and it's basically a descent into hell in the Australian outback. And I really enjoyed it. So that's my uh, recommendation Wake and Fright. I'm going to recommend two films, I think, which I've been oh. doing a lot lately because I like movies so much. Wake and Fright and Iron Man 3. It's, one is a little movie called <laughs> Iron Man 3, okay. which I didn't like, but I'm recommending it. Because <laughs> uh, I hate everyone. Because I, I want you all to suffer. Um, it's funny how I didn't like the things about it that you liked about it. Yeah. But I think I would have liked those things if it was a, not an Iron Man movie. 
Okay. It was almost like I was expecting one kind of movie and got another one, but I wasn't delighted by the surprise. I was just. It was like, like the Dark Knight Rises element of it. Uh huh. In a, I don't know. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people had a certain expectation going into it, just like with Dark Knight Rises, and they got a, something different than okay. what they were. Expecting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's possibly the case. Yeah. Uh, so my two movies are not those. Uh, I wanted to recommend uh, first a movie called Gregory's Girl, which is a mm-hmm. uh, UK small film from the early 80s. It's a uh, Forsyth movie. Same guy did Local Hero. Yeah, right? same guy did Local Hero, and it's very similar to Local Hero in the tone of it. Uh, and it's about basically like a bunch of kids at a, this Scottish high school one of them is a soccer player. The, the main title character, Gregory, is a soccer player on the team. This is Always a good, playing for keeps. He's always yeah. playing. Well, the problem is he's not playing for keeps. He doesn't take it seriously enough, and he's kind of this goofy, awkward kid. He has a crush on a girl who starts playing on the soccer team, and he has some friends who are also kind of looking for girls, but not in the, like, American pie, like, we got to get laid, we're, we're virgins, but more in the way of, like, a more. it felt more real to me about, like, Young guys who are interested in girls, but they don't really know what to do with that interest or, like, how to talk to girls. And it made it did such a good job of portraying how, at high school age, girls feel older and more mature than guys. And the guys are just kind of, like, lost and treading water, trying to figure out how to keep up with the girls. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And there's not a lot of plot in the movie, but there's a lot of incident, and it's very funny and very charming. And, like, just a sweet movie. In the, and, like, not a lot happens in it. But by the end of the movie, you feel that something has happened. Unlike playing for keeps, which is also a soccer movie where, no- where supposedly a lot happens, but nothing happens <laughs> in it. So I really enjoyed Gregory's Girl. Uh, it's streaming on Netflix, but the version they have seems to have been a version that was released for American audiences, where they redubbed a lot of the voices so that the Scottish accents were not quite as harsh. Kind of like Mad Max. Kind of, yeah. Except it's very clear that they're all inside the same VO booth. So I want to try to find the original soundtrack version. Because that the tinniness of the sound kind of bugged me. It was a really good movie. And the other movie I want to recommend is because this is going to be old news by the time this podcast is released. But we're recording this about a day or two after the death of Ray Harryhausen. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before personally what he meant to me growing up, what his work meant to me. And there are two kind of moments when my dad introduced me to movies that kind of set my life on a certain path. One of them is RoboCop. And the other is The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. When you became a robot cop. <laughs> when I became a robot cop and also when I went on a voyage <laughs> to an island with a Started Cyclops Started taking nuke. <laughs> I got really hopped up on nuke, yeah. And, uh, play, and, and you know, started buying, take it, buying things for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're just offering to buy things for a dollar. Oh, not yeah. actually yeah. ever purchasing them. No, it's, no. Good to, it's good to be king, right? Wait. <laughs> no, Hold that's on. A different that's a different. Movie. But uh, he was very much a man who put a lot of himself into his work in a field that you don't often think that about, which is visual effects. And his work with character in his animated characters is so great. So I'd recommend, you know what? If you can find a Ray, Har- Ray Harryhausen movie, watch it. But I especially recommend The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and 20 Million Miles to Earth. 20 Million Miles to Earth especially has some of, I think, his best character work uh, with the character of the Emir, a Venusian, I think, monster who starts out little and tiny and then eventually grows to be gigantic. And the way Ray Harryhausen treats the character at each stage of his size change is pretty phenomenal in how natural it feels. So uh, I'd like to just recognize the memory of Ray Harryhausen and tell you to go watch one of those movies. They're delightful and magical. Well, 
We really played for keeps tonight, guys. <laughs> we kept You've been we saving for. that one up? Yeah. <laughs> Since Full circle. What's weird is he's been saving that one for months now. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do it for the Smiley episode, actually. But. <laughs> well, guys, we really played for smi- for lols this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we just really did it for the funzos. <laughs> <laughs> that's my lols. That's uh, what I would say. That's my lols? What? That's my boy. Uh, oh, wait. right. We watched that movie. What? So... Brats. <laughs> For the flop house. Flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. And I'm You've been Stuart Wellington. And he's been Elliot Kalen. And we are The, the Flop house. house. And he is Dan McCoy. And you are Stuart Wellington. And that is That's the computer. <laughs> and that is a couch. And we are <laughs> The Flop House. And we're sitting at a table. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. One thing I learned, do not email Dan on Saturdays and say, get this, get that movie Hey, up. that happened to me too. <laughs> And Dan was like, I'm fucking busy. <laughs> I did, I didn't happen to me. I just, I, no, I'm I, busy. I'm going to do it. I'm going to Derby Day. I've been a, so busy drinking and not watching a horse race. <laughs> a social plan I had had for a while. I, I'm uh, sorry I couldn't be there, by the way. I did my best to get it up as quickly as I could, but I had a lot of things. I never promised hey, anyone Dan said that it would be up at a particular time. Dan said all that in a different context. I did my best to get it up quickly, but there were other things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get it? Uh-huh. Talk about his wiener. Yeah.